0: Hello, my darling true crime angels. Welcome once again to Web Sleuths Radio Podcast. My name is Trisha Griffith. I am the very proud owner of WebSleuths.com. Be sure and check it out. And don't forget to find our YouTube channel on, obviously, YouTube. Just uh, search Web Sleuths and you'll see us there every night. We do a live show starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. Monday, excuse me, Tuesday through Sunday. I take Monday off. Today... I am very honored to have with us on WebSUSE Radio Podcast uh, a woman who has worked tirelessly, just given so much to people who need her, and that is Laura Richards. Laura Richards is a stalking expert. In fact, uh, she's an international uh, expert on domestic violence, stalking, sexual violence, and risk assessment, And uh, she is also the founder of Palladian in 2013. That's the world's first national stocking advocacy service. And Laura Richards, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I do appreciate your time, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you.
1: It's a pleasure, Tricia. It's a very important subject, and obviously raising awareness and helping people to understand the risks and dangers of stalking and coercive control and domestic violence is is really important, so I'm, I'm very happy to talk with
0: you. It is extremely important, and unfortunately it is a worldwide problem, but let's kind of go back and give a little bit of history. Growing up, I never heard of things like serial killer, never heard of the term stalker or stalking, but it has been going on basically forever. Can can you give us kind of a, a bit of a history lesson on how it has evolved to the point where now we're actually getting laws passed and things are getting done, although a lot needs to be done. But back in the 60s, 70s, there was really no help, right? Yeah,
1: that's very true. And, you know, those of your listeners and um, people who watch Web Sleuth or listen to Real Crime Profile or anything that I talk on, uh, we know that there's a Netflix show called Mindhunter, uh, which is based on John Douglas's book, who, who was in the FBI and I, and pioneered profiling. And I actually worked in the FBI for a period of time when I was at New Scotland Yard. And so the whole genesis of serial offending and serial killers, even those terms were coined in the FBI by FBI profilers. And what was really interesting for me was that having worked at New Scotland Yard, I started my career there in 1996 and I worked in the sexual offences section there where we identified stranger rape, murder and abduction cases and more often than not serial cases. Well, now, most of those cases I would call predatory stalking. And Mm -hmm. that terminology, stalking, is something that's still relatively new, I think. Um, Not just here in the US, but in the UK, all across the world. And I've spent a lot of time following a very high-profile murder in the UK in 2005, trying to help people understand what stalking is, why it's so dangerous, and to use that word. Because if we don't identify, if we don't call it what it is and see it as a pattern, then behavior can escalate. And it's a very dangerous behavior. And it's about fixation and obsession. So giving people the tools and the language and also the laws has been a very important part of my work.
0: Well, let's talk about the definition of stalking because it gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot. And... It is something that is incredibly dangerous and needs to be used properly. What would you consider uh, stalking behavior as opposed to somebody that's just trying to get someone's attention and maybe likes somebody? Tell us how that evolves into stalking and what exactly a stalker, what that person is and what they do. Well,
1: stalking is a pattern of unwanted, fixated and obsessive behavior which is intrusive and causes fear of violence or serious alarm or distress so just to highlight some of the key words in in the definition it's a pattern so that's the first thing that in the in the definition that I define stalking within for my charity paladin the national stalking advocacy service you know people need to understand it's not a one off incident so there's a pattern, it's unwanted behavior, and that's another really important part, the fact that it's unwanted, that, that it's fixated. Mm-hmm. And figo, fixation, the, the Latin word infigo, to be bound fast, to have an intense preoccupation uh, with another person is a very unhealthy thing. So, and that's where we see the obsessive types of behavior that are intrusive as well. And it's that intrusion in someone's life be it online or offline, that's the really insidious part to the behavior, that it may be going on for a certain amount of time, but there's normally a tipping point mm-hmm. where some, one thing happens and it really puts the fear of God in somebody that they know that the, the stalker means business. So that part of understanding the intrusion and that it causes a fear and that fear of, of violence is, it's implied with stalking the very fact that somebody is hunting you and tracking you and monitoring you and watching you and paying this obsessive amount of their attention towards you that's the frightening part to it mm-hmm. so I think that definition has been key of helping people understand because there are behaviours like harassment of course and harassment we had the harassment act in the UK which really came in in 1997 for a stalking offence mm-hmm. and the problem is that harassment is something that is lesser and it normally is about neighbours or business partners, but let's put it in a neighbour context, calling out about where to put the trash or the boundary lines or arguing about something to do with, you know, property or something antisocial that's going on and, and it can be distressing, but mm-hmm. it's not about one person fixating on the other it's not about them hunting them and having this intense preoccupation and and they're the things you know when we think of the word stalking think about animals hunting Mm -hmm. you know a cat big big cats stalking their prey and that's what we're talking about but it's hunting humans and it's a very sinister behavior when it happens
0: oh boy it is and i and i want to talk a little bit more kind of break it down a bit it's not always a a love-hate relationship. It's not always they somebody broke up with a person and they become obsessed. It could be something as simple as a person thinks that uh that perhaps you've done something to them and so they become obsess- obsessive and start stalking you. Uh unfortunately, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh Please, Laura, we're talking with Laura Richards, uh, stalking expert and an incredible woman who has done so much volunteer work to help uh, get stalking laws passed and to help victims of stalking. We'll get into that as well here, but correct me if I'm wrong. Something like you said, there is a tipping point and until that person hits that tipping point. There's not a whole lot we can do. They can keep contacting you. They can keep posting things about you on social media that are not true. They can do all kinds of things, but there has to come a point. Can you define that point or is there even a definition for the point where it becomes, okay, now they're stalking?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there are different laws across the world. And when I campaigned successfully to bring in the stalking law in into England and Wales in 2012, I looked across at America and, in fact, the law in California, and I decided not to bring that law in. Um, and I'll come on to to why not. But the clear point for me is in California the law doesn't work here, so I wasn't going to bring in poor practice into into the UK. Mm-hmm. In the UK, the law is based on, it's a course of conduct, the stalking behavior, that you have to have two behaviors. Now those two behaviors can be anything, Tricia. They can be online, they can be offline, they can be a combination of both. And normally with victims of stalking, we know they're stalked a hundred times before they call the police. Sure. So there's always gonna be lots of behavior. Um, so you're only looking for two behaviours, and the, the behaviour has an impact on the victim's day-to-day life, mm-hmm. i.e. they change things. They change the route they go to work. They change, you know, not answering their phone, or they put locks on their doors. They target hard on their house. But it's based on how the victim reacts and how it impacts on their day-to-day. And that's the litmus test for stalking in, in the UK. So it's actually, the points to prove are very easy. Mm -hmm. And I helped draft the law and the points to prove in the UK law, for England and Wales in particular. And I took a police officer in with me too, because we want to make it easy for the police to understand what the evidential points to prove are. So that's the stalking law in the UK. Here in, in the US, California was actually the first country in the world, well it's a state, but America was the first country in the world to criminalize stalking after Rebecca Schaefer yes. was stalked and murdered and you probably recall Rebecca's case. Very well. Um, and I, yeah, and I talk about it in training because again, what, the behavior that was happening to her wasn't understood but Bardot used um, the DMV to track her down in a private investigator, and then he turned up at her hotel door and and killed her. Well, mm-hmm. he had been written, writing to her prolifically before that. He was a fan, in, in inverted commas, and a fan is short for thematic. Mm-hmm. So that tells you someone has an intense preoccupation, but he wrote prolifically. Now, back in the day, in the 90s, you could have people who were fans and who were prolific uh writers, they would be called howlers, but they would rarely hunt,
2: mm-hmm. as
1: the saying would go. But here's the 1% of cases where he did both. And, of course, that is of no comfort to the Schaefer family of what statistics would have told you about his risk level. And that's why, first of all, you have to pay every case on its own merit when you risk assess it. Mm-hmm. But second to that, the stalking law came in on the back of Rebecca's case, but the California law is problematic because there has to be a credible threat to kill for it to be deemed to be stalking. Mm-hmm. And who deems it to be credible? Well, a, a law enforcement officer who's had no training on stalking. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the rub. You can't have professionals that are untrained making assessments about very dangerous situations when they've received no training or input. And that's why there are very, there's a real problem of getting cases to be seen as stalking in California.
0: Has that changed? Have they uh, changed those laws yet, or is it still the same in California?
1: Not yet, Trisha. I'm pushing now for, again, for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did work with Erin Andrews for a time because she felt very strongly about it, too. Right. Um, Obviously, somebody who has been stalked. And now I'm working with a number of other people. In fact, some of Amy's friends Mm -hmm. and, and various others to... Uh, ensure that the law is looked at again because it hasn't been updated since it came in in 1992. And, and to be quite frank, I hear from hundreds of victims here in California, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't protect victims.
2: No, it and doesn't.
1: law enforcement and the courts are failing victims. It, it's not just about getting temporary restraining orders or any kind of order. It's about ensuring we've got laws that are fit for purpose and they're not in California right
0: now. And let's talk about that because California is uh kind of the the place that other states started to follow when they were the first ones to pass uh, the laws against stalking. So let's let's stick with California because that's going to be I think the stepping stone for everybody else. What are you trying to change with some of uh the the Friends of Amy Harwick, she was the uh, therapist that was murdered, uh, former fiancé of Drew Carey, by her stalker. It was an ex-boyfriend that she had uh, broke up with over 10 years ago. But the, the stalking laws are, are just not enough. So if you could tell us what you're working on, what are the words that you want to put? What, what is the bite that you want to put in the stalking laws that are not yet there in California?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and I would certainly advise any state that is looking at stalking law to not follow California mm-hmm. at this time. There are, there, the law in England and Wales, and indeed in Scotland, um, is far more advanced than the Californian law. But currently I'm trying to ensure, with a number of Amy's friends and others, that the law is basically the, the penal code of the credible threat to kill is removed. Mm-hmm. Because stalking by its very nature implies a threat. Yes. You know, when someone is hunting you, and that's the irony, the threat is already there. So we need to get rid of the credible threat um, that's within the penal code. The, the second thing is that I believe that we really do need to have uh, a register mm. for serial stalkers and domestic violence offenders. So those who repeatedly behave in this way, and, and they should be included on the sex offenders register. And I've been saying Absolutely. that. Right from the beginning of my law enforcement career, mm-hmm. because sadly the the evidence shows us it's needed, and it means that then proactively you can monitor serial stalkers and serial domestic violence offenders, and the onus is placed on their behaviour rather than telling victims, get a restraining order, move house, change yes. your phone. You know and too often we tell victims to do all these things as if that's going to change the perpetrator's behaviour. I mean it's crazy when you think about it Mm -hmm. why would changing the victim's behavior change a fixated obsessed perpetrator's behavior it's going to have no impact on them because the fixation is still there so we've got to start to understand perpetrators and we need to focus on perpetrators and those who create fear and terror in others and too often we let you know, men who are abusive and violent off the hook. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would like to see, not just in California, but across the the U.S., as well as um, I would like to see trained specialist advocates who are trained in stalking available for victims of stalking. Because right now in America, it's just under 8 million people are stalked, Mm -hmm. primarily women, and yet there's not even a helpline for them, and there's no charity or specialist service who can be the voice of the victim in the system. Now, I set up Paladin in in the UK because there was this gap. When I changed the law, hundreds of victims contacted me, Mm -hmm. and I was just one person. So I needed a whole team of specialists, and so I trained them. We created a university-accredited course, and now there are independent stalking advocacy caseworkers all across the UK that victims can get free advice from from beginning to end within the criminal justice system or even without so i'd like to see advocates and i'd also like to see um electronic monitoring of perpetrators
2: there
1: you go -hmm. absolutely we have great gps now we have great technology so why aren't we slapping uh you know anklets on them the same as we do for other offenders and that Ankle, the alarm goes off if they come anywhere near the victims, and it's about time we started closing down the perpetrators' behavior and not the victims.
0: Absolutely. Feel very strongly about that. Oh yeah, and you, oh boy, you are so right, uh, Laura. Laura Richards, thank you again for joining us. I want to talk about the perpetrators' behavior because a stalker, they know how to skirt the system, especially like you said in California, there has to be an actual threat. I had a stalker who actually went to prison for stalking. Not me, but he made an actual threat against a police officer, and that's when action was taken. But let me briefly tell you what he did. He was able to go on a forum that is no longer available, and whenever he would post something, it would post his location. And so he would go on there and say, hey, Tricia Griffith." Uh, in Utah. I'll be seeing you soon. And that would come from Los Angeles. A couple of days later, hey, Trisha, I'll be saying hi to you. That would be in Las Vegas. A couple of days later, hey, Tricia, I'll be sure and swing by and say hi. Then he's in St. George, Utah. There was nothing I could do. And the cops told me there is nothing we can do because there's nothing threatening about that. I said, are you kidding me? He is sitting here laughing at me, showing me he's coming up to my house. Are you nuts? And they told me, get a gun. And that's what they did. Now, I unfortunately, but lucky for me, unfortunately for somebody in Boulder, Colorado, he made the dumb mistake of saying something like, well, blood's going to run in the streets when I meet you, officer, or whoever it was he said that to. Boom, then they arrested him, and I testified in his, uh, in his trial. But again, that's a behavior that stalkers, a lot of times they know what to do. They can walk up to the line, and they can terrify the hell out of you, and there's nothing you can do. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I getting too hysterical? What's, what do you think? Well, firstly, you're
1: definitely not getting too hysterical. I'm so sorry that you went through that. And again, it just shows how prevalent it is, doesn't it, Tricia? Everybody. And I've been stalked as well, mm-hmm. multiple times. We were talking about a colleague of ours yes. who, who's been stalked. And I know many other people, you know, hundreds of people who've contacted me, but also professionals, who've also experienced it. So the first thing is, look, it's so prevalent that we need to be doing much more about it. Mm-hmm. We can't just sit back and you know, politicians and law enforcement need to get a grip on this and start to realise how dangerous stalking is and start to take women more seriously. Now, the fact that he threatens a police officer, and I always think this is ironic, it's only ever when a police officer is threatened that something, serious action is then taken. Mm -hmm. Now, why is it it? Is their life worth more than everybody else's? You know, and I say that to all colleagues, because... If it's if it's threatening to them, it's threatening to normal people yes. who don't have the level of protection law enforcement has. Mm-hmm. So you were definitely not getting hysterical. You clearly presented a risk, and that's why there was a trial. And well done for you for giving evidence, because that's not an easy process either.
0: Laura Richards, let me ask you. There's a, two other topics. I've we're almost out of time, and I boy, I could talk to you all day. But two things. First of all, what can we do? What can we do as men and women? And let's stress, men get stalked too. And it doesn't have to be about a love relationship. It can just be some weird obsession with somebody. Men and women, what can we do to help people like you to get the stalking laws changed? What can we do?
1: Well, just to quickly double back and to, to your case that you described, because I think it is important to underline the fact that in these cases, there's always something that can be done, but it takes somebody getting their finger out, quite frankly, and doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about cases, it normally comes down to a committed individual, i.e. someone in law enforcement or an advocate who basically has to do all the heavy lifting. And investigate a case properly. So I always say there's always something that can be done and problem solving a case and taking victims seriously is the biggest thing that you can do is bleeding someone and properly investigating. Because I would say there's more than one way to skin a cat. You have to look at a case and really problem solve it to know what's happening in it and how you're going to risk assess and risk manage the victim and the perpetrator, the two things together. But unfortunately, people are lazy, Mm Tricia, and they don't always do their jobs. So that's a a very important point to make, because too often victims are told, well, there's nothing that we can do. And I always say to the police officers when I train them, when you say there's nothing we can do without even investigating the case, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing that anyone can do if you don't investigate. Of course there's not. But you've got to take that first step. So the second part to, you know, to victims, anybody who's suffering, is to ensure that they keep a diary, they get good practical advice from Paladin. For example, there's great information on the website. Make sure that they're talking to specialist stalking advocacy caseworkers, to people who know this area and are specialists in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Because again,
1: too often people give the wrong advice. You know, ignore it. Here, just go away. No, it's not that big a deal, no, you know. Right. And people are told, "Well, just change your phone, and he'll stop contacting you." That people are giving the wrong advice in these cases. And make sure you collect the evidence. You know, if you don't collect the evidence, no one else will. So if people are if you're being sent messages, make sure you keep them
2: mm-hmm. and keep
1: a diary, the time, date, stamp of what's happening, who saw where it happened, and the impact that it had on you. And to use the stalking list checklist, that's on. Uh, the Dash Risk Checklist website and Paladin's website. Mm -hmm. There's 12 key questions that you should ask yourself if you are being stalked. And the most overriding, important piece of information I can give to any of your listeners is to always trust your instinct. Always trust your gut instinct about what's going on and override whatever someone's telling you by your gut instinct, because that is what will keep you safe. Mm
2: -hmm. For
1: the professionals do your job if you don't understand what stalking is speak to someone like me who does there's plenty of professionals Dr. Chris Mahundi for example in the US Dr. Reid Malloy there's plenty of specialists in the US and UK who you can reach out to and make sure you take that extra step because too many women and it is women predominantly who are being murdered Mm. and Amy Dr. Amy Hardwick what an utterly horrible case that was entirely preventable You know, if somebody had really understood the risks and including Amy as well, you know, we need to make sure we get the right information out there. Because at least four women are being murdered right now in the U.S. every day by fixated men who are trying to control their their ex-partners and their partners. And so the domestic violence stalker is a very dangerous stalker once they fixate and they make a threat because one in two of them will act on that threat.
0: Oh, those are that's scary to statistics. That's for sure. Uh, let's talk about uh, Amy uh, Harwick. She was with this guy and I just want to call him the stalker. She was with the stalker uh, for a while, but they broke up over 10 years ago. And in case you did miss it, uh, she was murdered by him. He broke into her home Valentine's weekend and uh, strangled her, threw her off uh, her balcony. And this happened because, well, first of all, because he's a sick stalker and, and the things weren't handled correctly. But apparently, a few weeks before that, they actually ran into each other at a red carpet event, which got him going again, from what I understand. So, Laura Richards, tell us about Amy Harwick's case. What could have been done differently to save her life?
1: Yeah, I mean, Amy's case is just devastating. And like I said, it's one of many. So we mustn't just see these things in isolation, that this terrible thing just happened to Amy. There was a whole pathway to violence and homicide, and it's happening with, with many other women who don't get reported on in the same way. So firstly, she was a sex therapist and she actually helped many women and she was a feminist and, you know, was an unapologetic champion for women. In fact, all her Instagram page is about empowerment and talking about healthy relationships. And unfortunately, she had a relationship that was incredibly unhealthy and very dangerous. And for a number of years, he was stalking her and she took out a temporary restraining order in 2011. And then again in 2012, Um, She took out another restraining order for him to stay 100 yards away from her and refrain from contact. But that order had expired. And what we know now is that he continued to stalk her online. She got a lot of messages and a lot of hate stuff that she thought was from him. But she also had a computer wiped. She believed he'd broken into her home address. He'd destroyed her baby pictures And so lots of behaviors were happening, and it it really is like a drip, drip, drip. You know, it's no one thing on its own, but joining the pattern up, you know, even sometimes victims don't see the totality of the behavior because it is like water torture. Mm -hmm. It's slow, and it happens over time. So the fact that she sees him at a red carpet event weeks before Valentine's Day, where he's shouting at her that she's ruined his life, he clearly has a... Uh, a lot of resentment and is vengeful towards her. Now, he moves from wanting to just get back with her into wanting to destroy her Mm -hmm. and being very angry with her. And when he makes the threat to harm her, saying that things are going to get much worse, you know, it's at that point, that one in two figure is very important. One in two of domestic violence stalkers who make a threat will act on it. And she was fearful. And... She was fearful in the sense that she was having to risk assess everything that she was doing. Mm -hmm. Whether she thought he would actually kill her is another matter. I mean, when victims are genuinely fearful, they are going to be killed. That's when you know they're at heightened risk of it happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people around Amy giving advice, because normally we go to our friends, we go to our family first of all. You know, there are key messages there that I've just described you know, for Amy, she may well have thought she could handle it because mm-hmm. of what she did for a living. She was a doctor in clinical psychology and understood behavior. Sure. And I think sometimes, you know, people don't think someone would really take that next step and kill you.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: have to say, if I had a dollar for every time a family who i would worked with whose daughter has been stalked and murdered said... If only we had met you before, Laura. Mm-hmm. If only we had realised, because we thought people get killed in the newspapers and on the news, but not, it doesn't happen to families like us. Right. So, it does happen to families like us and to people like us.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: unfortunately, the, these, you know, red flags, let's call them that, the high risk factors, weren't understood. And he chose Valentine's weekend for a particular reason. And he'd physically assaulted her before. He'd choked her before. Now, choking is a high risk factor. And one, basically, when you've got hands going around the neck, it increases the risk sevenfold to homicide.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So so all the behaviors that were happening, even though there was some time and distance, and of course, we don't know what else Amy was experiencing. But I would imagine there's a lot more than what I've just described. And it's ensuring that, you know, she has lifeline, like a, an advocate, you know, Amy 2, or whoever's out there listening to this, who, who it's happening to, you know, make sure you go on the Dash Risk Checklist website and look at the risks that, that are happening and the behaviours that are happening because these cases are preventable. You know, he should have been arrested and he should have been put before a court.
2: Yes, And absolutely. he should, at
1: the very least, have some kind of monitoring device and he should have been on a register because I would imagine that he's done this for other women, Amy isn't the first woman who's done this too, unfortunately.
0: Right. And that's no surprise there. Like you said, these these behaviors are recognizable and the laws need to catch up. Uh, two quick things. Uh, first of all, if somebody wants to volunteer and to help you or to help an organization, is there somewhere they can go to help people in need of, of anything to help with stalking or the stalking laws? What can they do?
1: Well, I mean, there's two petitions now that are going around. There's one for the register, mm-hmm. um, which I can send you the link to. Yes. And it's a register both in the UK and the US for serial offenders. You described a serial stalker, and most of them are serial stalkers without an effective intervention. Mm-hmm. There's also the petition that Jessica and Diana um also posted after Amy's murder. And so people can sign that too. And if people are interested in in doing more, because I am trying to bring Paladin to America Mm -hmm. to have trained advocates. And that's something that I spoke to Diana and Jessica about just this week. And they 100% agree. And we are trying to get some resource, you know, so that it can be funded so that we can have trained advocates. You know, Paladin in the UK relies on trained advocates. They are paid,
2: Mm -hmm. but we
1: also have volunteers as well. So if people are genuinely interested in helping, they can drop me an email or in fact drop Paladin an email on info at paladinservice.co.uk. If if you're based in the UK, for example, and you want to help, Mm -hmm. you can email Paladin. If you're based in the US, you can certainly um, drop me an email and let me know what you'd be interested in helping with. So there is a degree of training that has to happen sure. uh, for people to help in a safe way and to ensure that we're giving the right advice because, again, most victims are traumatized mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, all of the Isaac, the Independent Stalking Advocacy caseworkers are trauma-informed specialists, and it's important that, that they are trauma-informed to help victims.
0: And let's, uh, let's talk about quickly about Paladine. There is a website up, I believe, if, if you could give that address.
1: There is, yes, it's www.paladinservice.co.uk. It, it is currently the only service for high-risk victims of stalking in the world, mm-hmm. and I'd really like to change that. So the other thing that people can help with is resourcing. You know, if uh, there are people with deep pockets that are your listeners who would like to help, mm-hmm. then, for example, in in the UK, I had to raise all of the money to set Paladin up. It wasn't state or government-funded, Um, Here in California, there seems to be an appetite to create change because of Amy's murder. Mm -hmm. And again, it would be very helpful for people to write, um, you know, an email and say what they're willing to help with. They can sign the petition, but do they want to be active? Do they want to donate? Mm -hmm. Because all of this always comes down to money. And I always say, you know, what is the, the, the price of a woman's life? Because right now, murders are happening at pandemic rates. And we really do need to tackle the problem of, of stalking and, and male violence in particular.
0: Exactly. And let me just spell the word paladin. It's P-A-L-A-D-I-N. Laura Richards, thank you so much. Uh, yes, please send me the links and I'll put them all over WebSleuths and up on our Facebook page. And if you need an army of people, WebSleuth is here to help. So we'll get everybody signing those petitions and we'll do our best to help any way we can. Laura Richards, thank you so much for taking the time out today to join us. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I appreciate you talking and covering this subject. And and to your listeners, thank you for listening. and, And please be upstanders and be active. Because you never know when something like this can happen to you or your loved one. And and we have to look after each other. So your activism would be hugely appreciated. So thank you very much for covering this important topic, Tricia. Thank
0: thank you. And we will have you on again very soon. Take care. Okay?
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Tricia. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye now.
1: Bye.
0: Everybody, Laura Richards, uh, an amazing woman who took it upon herself to be an advocate for stalking victims in Great Britain. And she's brought it, what she knows, her knowledge, her amazing experience to the U.S. So check out the website. It's paladin, that's P as in puppy, A-L-A-D-I-N dot C-O dot I think that's it, or dot U-K dot C-O. Paladin, P A L a d i n and we will have the links to everything that you can become involved with and sign and give you all kinds of choices how you can help out in getting at least the stocking laws changed here in america perhaps in canada or wherever you happen to be listening okay everybody that's it for web Sleuth radio podcast be safe we'll see you next time and don't forget check out our web Sluice youtube channel and when you find it be sure and hit subscribe and then hit that bell And you'll get an alert every time we go live, because we do go live every night except Monday nights, okay? Take care. Bye-bye.